cliffcentral.com. We've got African analysis, which is something we only get to do every two weeks, and I don't want to waste time. We've got the great Jean-Jacques Cornish here with us this morning, and JJ is live to tell us all about what's going on on the continent of Africa. African analysis is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. Let's talk to JJ. Bonjour and good morning, JJ. It was good to see you in person the other day at the Justice Milano event. Bonjour. It was great to be there. I ran out in the middle of the interview thinking that I had a crossing. And I was obviously having one of those, what is it, a titcorp moment, because I, I uh, walked around the garden wondering where I could get a quiet spot. And when I called in, uh, I was an hour early to my great embarrassment. So I came back and uh, it was too late to get a question in. So <laughs> it was a good day, though, an excellent day. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is a, an absolute disgrace that the Norwegian Refugee Council has to list seven African nations in the top 10 most neglected crises in the world. Some of these people wouldn't even have heard of, JJ, because that's unfortunately how the news cycle works these days. But give us an idea of what the 10 most neglected crises in the world are and also why there are so many African countries in there. Well, uh, you know, there's only um, there's seven in the top 10. Burkina Faso uh, topping the, the log plagued by jihadist violence since 2015. Now, at least 14,000 people have died there. Uh, and, uh, y- you know, the, the, the point is the money to these countries is not getting there. About 40% of what they demand or what the United Nations says they desperately need has been getting there. And and it doesn't move around there properly because of the, the situation on the ground. Not surprisingly, the DRC is second on that list. Followed by Sudan, nobody's surprised again. Burundi, no. Ethiopia, well, that surprises some because, you know, well, they have had problems with uh, uh, internal difficulties. Mali, well, they've thrown the French out and they brought in the Wagner Group and nothing has happened to the jihadi fight there. Uh, and then uh, Cameroon. So uh, these are countries that, uh, of the top 10, the only ones that are not African are Colombia, Venezuela, and El Salvador. And the point that the Norwegian Refugee Council in Norway, of course, you know, their, their, their sovereign wealth is bigger than uh, that of, I don't know, any five countries put together. Uh, so they do give a great deal. So, you know, more power to them. But what they're saying, and I think absolutely correctly, is that the money to, to address these crises is not getting there. And of course, uh, you know, there's a, there's a dearth of money following COVID. Uh, uh, around the world. So, you know, countries simply can't afford to do it. Some countries can't even afford to pay their dues to the United Nations and to the African Union and things like that. So it's very, very sad, the situation. And, you know, I do remind you, I know you will like lists. That's why when I see a list, I think, I'll save this one for Garrett. Uh, (laughs) But you remember the happiest countries in Africa, Mauritius, uh, Libya, Libya among the happiest, Ivory Coast, South Africa in fourth place. This was a United mm-hmm. Nations list with the Gambia. So, you know, you, you have the, the yin and the yang, and that's, uh, that's uh, a, a difficult one, uh, you know, to have to deal with in Africa. But this one here, the most neglected crises, is, is a particularly sad one. Well, I'm, I'm only uh, going to say, again, this is a reason to listen to African analysis because you haven't ignored any of those. None of those are a surprise to anyone who's been listening to African analysis with us every second week because sad as these situations are, they are going on. We don't hide our head in the sand. 
and we are paying attention to what's happening here. The only one that I'm not entirely like au fait with, because you did tell us about Ethiopia and Tigray and all of that stuff, but Cameroon, uh, what's been going on in Cameroon? Well, you know, they have difficulty. Again, the, 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 the crisis there is they're neighboring with, uh, Nigeria and, uh, they, they, they've split the country between the French and the, uh, French and the English. And, uh, the, the, the English, uh, the French in the majority, the English feel that they have been, uh, uh, pushed to one side and they are fighting for an independence. So there's, there's right. real internecine fighting going on there. All right. So there are lists and there are lists. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Unfortunately, as you say, seven out of 10 places in the neglected crises list to African nations. But let's talk about Senegal quickly because they're not exactly a, um, a stable place and haven't been for a while either. The past 72 hours, we've had riots there and eight lives have been lost already as opposition supporters have protested the jailing of their leader who's the former mayor of the capital city. It's never a good thing when opposition politicians are put into jail. It's usually a sign that things are not going well in that country, right? Well, they have Macky Sall, who wants to run for a third term, unconstitutional third term. His term limit mm-hmm. is up now. But the fact is, Macky Sall is not saying, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, uh, and and Usman uh, Sonko, the, who was the youngest uh, candidate against him in 2019, ran very well, and there's a real problem. Uh, Macky Sol sees him as a threat. Now, Usman Sonko uh, was in a dalliance with a younger woman, and uh, in her 20s, it has to be said, and uh, there, there they found that, uh, he, you know, he had corrupted her. Uh, he was acquitted of charges of rape, but the, the fact is they want to or Mackie Sol wants to make sure that he's unable for legal reasons to run in the next election, which is in February. Now, the thing about it is uh, with Senegal, Senegal was a country that, you know, I hate using that cliche about being punching above its weight, but it did mm. in, in, in terms of African affairs, you know, when uh, they, the countries of Africa got together to talk about NEPAD and uh, forming councils. They had Algeria, Egypt, the big countries, Nigeria, South Africa, and in came Senegal. Now, Senegal, it also has to be said, is a bit of a client state of France. And, mm-hmm. and they get things right. They have a special department for identifying people who will do well at international organizations. And they particularly coach them and train them so that when you look at international organizations, Senegal is really well represented with high quality individuals. And I always ask that question. How can a country that is so poor, because it is poor, how can a country with absolutely zero natural resources do so well and have such heft? and moral weight in Africa. Well, suddenly, the way Macky Sol is behaving, it moves down several brackets and is just, you know, yet another country with grown-up problems. What a pity. Uh, let's talk about Sudan. <clears throat> and they already came up. So Sudan's um, a disaster. A friend of mine just flew in from South Sudan, and I got to catch up with him a little bit on Saturday. And he told me what an absolutely crazy situation is going on in, in Khartoum. And we even had a story in the news yesterday about how a bunch of people in a hospital, their doctors and nurses, managed to do a cesarean section by uh, JJ by using their their phone torch 
in order to, oh, to help this child be born by C-section. I mean, it's really, really awful. What can you give us in terms of an update on Khartoum and whether or not there's any chance that this is going to be settled anytime soon so that people can get back to peaceful coexistence? Well, on the latter score, absolutely no comfort at all. What the United Nations now is saying that the forces, the army and the uh, paramilitaries have to leave the capital if there's going to be uh, any cessation of the fighting. Now, we have the uh, uh, paramilitaries who've taken over the main museum in the capital and everybody's worried about you know the the artifacts there that date back to the stone age why have they done this what's the purpose but they've done it and uh it seems that the army under uh uh burani is uh reinforcing itself to retake the capital from the rsf and as long as that goes on you can forget about the cessation of fighting the reason why all these ceasefires and including the one monitored by saudi arabia and the united states both of whom shook their fists you know like these little tennis players after well shaking your fist for victory when your opponent makes a mistake but they said there will be sanctions to anybody breaking the ceasefire. Well, nothing has happened. They've broken, I don't know, up to 10 ceasefires in a row. They had one. They were trying to extend it, but the one that they were trying to extend wasn't even holding. And this is the situation. Until they get out of the capital and go somewhere else, go and Omdurman, which is, of course, the uh, twin city to to Khartoum. It's like Johannesburg and Santon, you know, across the Nile from each other. This is where the real fighting is. And the, the death toll, of course, heading to 2000. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, medical situation is, is absolutely parlous. Food is running out, water running out, medical care. Well, it's, it's a, it's, oh it's God. impossibility. So it's a, a terribly sad situation. And I don't see, uh, while the two of them and the, the, uh, the RDF and the, uh, uh, military both believe that they can win this fight. Uh, I don't see any chance of uh, of a cessation in, in uh, the conflict. Good heavens. All right. So uh, can you please just give us some uh, optimism? Uh, is there some corner of our continent where we can be uh, excited this morning and happy? Uh, because it sounds like a bunch of really awful news. Well, I mean, you know, in that case, we, we always have to go to Mauritius, which is, of course, the, uh, uh, the, the, the economic hub and things are working there. And, uh, you know, they, they, they've seemed to have beaten most of the problems. I don't know if you've been to Mauritius. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember once, uh, running a, a marathon, running my personal best and, and then uh, sitting around, I didn't hang around. I went and picked up my family and went on holiday and, and didn't, uh, this was in Durban, as I said, and they didn't, uh, they drew the, 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 the lucky number from the hat yeah. for a, a week's holiday in Mauritius. <laughs> and I won it, but I wasn't there to get it. So they said, draw again. And some other bugger got it. Well, when I got to my holiday destination, my clubmates ran out and I said to my wife, Oh, you know, they've come to congratulate me on running my personal best. This is quite touching. But they weren't. They're running up to me saying, hey, football, you missed a holiday in Mauritius. You weren't there. <laughs> so that was my Mauritian experience until fine. My wife, you know, didn't skip a beat. She said, oh, I've never really wanted to go to Mauritius. And so I kept held her to that for a little while until finally I went. 
and it really is something else. I mean, it really is. You can understand why South Africans spend so much money and aspire to doing it. It's wonderful, and 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 things work there. So that's, I mean, that's one area of good news in Africa I can supply. I suspect you also like it because they speak French. Oh yes, indeed. Bien sûr. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, JJ, that's all we got time for this morning, but thank you again. African Analysis brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. We always check in with JJ and find out what's happening around the continent, and we will do this again in just a couple of days' time.